Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I cannot even begin to tell you how much fun it was on Friday. Dog Nation days of summer at the Battery Atlanta, Truist Park. We watched the Braves score 20 runs against the Pittsburgh Pirates. How about that? Uh, a lot of folks were there saying that, hey, maybe the same group needs to get together for Georgia football here later on this fall. We can maybe see the same kind of office, offensive explosion for the Georgia Bulldogs, and that would be a nice thing to see. But beyond just the results of the game, seeing the Braves get a win over the Pirates, just the entire experience, the time to talk Georgia football, the chance to be outside and enjoy the beautiful weather of course great food some beverages being consumed the whole thing was just such a great time and I was so glad to be about uh, to be a part of it you know so much of this so different than what life was like say a year ago so just a really really great thing all the way around and a great thing to just just to be able to share that moment with Dog Nation once again. So for those of you who were part of Dog Nation Days of Summer, thank you so much for the Atlanta Braves, whose hospitality was really just unrivaled in how they treated us throughout the entire thing. Big thanks to all of you there as well. Just a really, really great time. So let me now that I've said that, we'll talk more about the Braves before we're done on the show today. I've got a brief reminder about some fun stuff upcoming for the Braves. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But let me begin today's show by saying this, that you know, for the mainstream college football fan, and to be honest with you, most of the people who consume this content are not really in the mainstream. You're probably a college football obsessive. I certainly am a college football obsessive. We talk about this subject each and every day. Our minds, our brains just work a little differently than the average sports fan does. For the average sports fan who kind of likes all sports and, you know, is just kind of following whatever's in the news, the college football season itself kind of never feels more far away than it does right now. If you think about this in your brain, you know, we are almost six months removed from George's last game, and we are many, many months resume, you know, kind of removed from, you know, like George's next game. We're kind of in that time of year where it seems like a long time since George has played a game, and it feels like it's going to be a long time still until George plays its next game. We're starting to get a little closer to that, but we're kind of in that kind of moment which it just sort of feels like we're kind of in the gaps on all of that. So, uh, and you can look around this weekend and see, you know, plenty of examples of that. I mean, I think just about every conversation I had, other than my daughter's birthday, which also took her birthday, birthday party which took place this weekend just about every other conversation I had you know uh, apart from that was all about golf right I mean I was obsessed over the PGA championship this weekend I'm a big Phil Mickelson fan I uh, was so happy to see him win and so many of the people that I ran into talked to kind of into that golf what's going on there there's obviously a big you know push for the Atlanta Braves this weekend who kind of got the bats going against the Pittsburgh Pirates people paying attention to that here in the Atlanta area people were excited about Trey Young hitting the game winning shot against the New York Knicks last night and that's just kind of what all the conversation is and it seems like right now because there's so much going on with so many of the other sports that college football couldn't be less top of mind than it, it kind of is right now but those of you that pay very close attention to this stuff those of you that like to follow college football as closely as I do you know that sometimes when college football is at the quietest it's most quiet or however you could say that whatever the proper grammar is for that sometimes when it seems like the scene around college football is quiet that's actually when the important work for the upcoming season is going on. It's what you do when nobody's looking that probably matters more than anything else. And we all kind of intuitively understand that, that it's the willingness to embrace that grind, the willingness to kind of go out there and work hard each and every day that probably matters more so than anything else. Now, there has been some attention paid to some of this. You probably read the story last week, Mike Griffith, DogNation.com, writing about Georgia quarterback JT Daniels, who obviously hails from California, and some of 
the other Georgia Bulldogs who have California ties all being out there, some other Georgia players joining them, getting together way out there in the Golden State for some off-season workouts. So there is a little bit of publicity paid to some of the stuff that's going on here. In fact, last week on the show, Mike Griffith kind of talked about in his mind what is important about those summer workouts that are going on right now. While everybody else is paying attention to all the other sports, college football getting ready for its upcoming season, Mike, when he joined us last week, talked about what's happening out there in California. This is what Mike had to say. It used to be that was the norm, but now everybody's, you know, got their own handheld entertainment system, their own social media network, and teams aren't as close as they once were. Right? I mean, it's a different world. I mean, it's a different society. You know, being close to somebody now, being putting on a headset and playing a video game with them 2,500 miles away. You know, I mean, it's just there's that's how things are, and and uh, frankly, because of their schedules, there, there's not a whole lot of time for that sort of thing. When when you look at what what a student athlete has to do now. Yeah, so I think Mike brings up a good point about that. We even talked about this a little bit last week that, you know, when you have a bunch of players and it's been reported obviously by Mike that, you know, they're traveling out there that sometimes it's not just the workout they're doing that matters, but it's also the time they spend together, you know you form a bond with somebody when you're traveling with them. You know, it's one of the reasons why families like taking vacations together because you come back on the other side of it, at least you hope so, uh, kind of stronger as a family. Couples understand that. When you take a trip away, you just kind of come back with kind of a, you know, a little bit of a freshness about the relationship sometimes. And I think for football players, it can be the same thing too. When you're out there in California, when you're enjoying some summertime together, you kind of develop that bond with each other in addition to the work that you're doing. But while the situation with the Georgia players out in California is kind of a high-profile example of the off-season workouts that go on, the truth is much of the other stuff that's actually maybe more important is probably less heralded, right? It's not the high-profile, glamorous, luxurious trip to California where you work out with your quarterback and his, you know, probably pretty expensive personal coach who, you know, is a, you know, a little bit famous in his own right in Jordan Palmer. It's the just showing up at the weight room every single day. It's the just showing up for whatever other kind of off-season conditioning work you're trying to do. And, you know, sometimes you're doing that for the grand, but sometimes you're actually doing that in real life to actually you know, improve your physical condition, improve your strength. And you're showing up doing that thanklessly day in, day out. And someone like me who's in the media, someone like you who's a fan, we don't notice any of that kind of stuff. But you better believe the results will be put on display this fall, you know, seeing who really has improved year over year, who really really has changed their body, changed their mindset, improved their skill set, and who really is ready to make a bigger contribution in 2021 than they were in 2020 on the basis of what they've done right here during this time of year. I'll tell you something else that makes me think about that. There's a very good TV show that comes on. I think it's Saturday mornings. It's WSB Game Day. Our friends over Channel 2 do this, and you know it's good coverage from UGA, and a part of that TV show is the former Georgia quarterback, the uh, you know SEC champion from 2005, DJ Shockley. And and so Shockley was on the most recent edition of WSB Game Day. And I'll put a link to this when I post the show at dognation.com because I want you to hear the full thing. You should, you should seek it out and find it for yourself. But I'll put a link to the, at the very least to what DJ Shockley had to say. You can check that out. Uh, Shockley himself on the most recent edition of that program did talk a little bit about what I just said, that, you know, what you do right now when coaches are, you know, sort of barred by NCAA rule from being with you. They can't have that contact with you. So what people are willing to do on their own, the degree to which they're willing to be a self-starter in all of this, is kind of the missing 
you know, ingredient that can determine championship success or not. You can take my word on that. Obviously, Shockley speaks with a lot of gravitas in his words, and he kind of echoed a similar sentiment. Take a listen to DJ Shockley here. Well, I think the number one thing is establishing who are the new leaders because you got a bunch of guys in new roles, and then also you got to have guys who come in and see can they be better from one year to the next. Who's going to take the next step? Who's going to come in and watch more film? Who's going to be guys you're going to see in the building all the time trying to perfect their craft? Who's going to go out on the field and do the extra work that their coach never even asked them to do? These are the times where coaches find out probably the most about their players when they're not supervised, when they're not in structured environments to go out and say, I need you to go out and work on this. Which guys are going to come out and be the leaders to get everybody together first off? And then who's going to be the guys who want to be better without that coach instruction assistance or that coach right behind them telling them, we need you to go lift weights. We need you to go run. Which guys are going to go out and put the extra effort in to see how you get better, especially in the summertime? I think it's great stuff from DJ Shockley, once again from WSB Game Day. I'll put a uh, link to that when I post the show at dognation.com later on today. And Shockley's words would matter no matter what, but they seem specifically particularly valuable for Georgia here during this offseason because of so much of what we did as we've talked about recently that you know Georgia if it wants to be a national championship team needs to take some of the talented players on its roster right now and turn them into more top-end level performers we've cited many times that recent national champions have about a half dozen first round picks Georgia has plenty of potential first round picks in its roster but it's not obvious right now that anyone is a surefire first round pick plenty of guys who could be a few guys who might be but no one's a given or a guarantee right now but the work that gets done during this offseason could certainly change that the same thing going back to Friday's show we talked about the number of kind of first team all SEC performers that you need Bama had nine a year ago LSU the national champion from 2019 had six first team all SEC guys going back to 2019 Georgia had a couple on the first team list that at least Athlon released the other day, which is kind of a you know a, a talking point in all of this. But you need more of those kind of top end performers to emerge over the course of the season if you want to be on that national championship level. Once again, the work that's done this summer to change your body, to improve your mindset, to develop your skill set. That's the kind of way those big leaps forward can uh, can be taken. I think what Shockley says there is incredibly true and incredibly valuable. We won't see most of this going on. This happens away from the watchful eye of fans and media and everybody else. But the results, this field on the fall will bear fruit or not. And my guess is these Georgia players right now really are working as hard as they can because they want to make 2021 as good as it possibly can be. And I think you would join me in saying I can't wait to see the results on all of that. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, from the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and we are available as a podcast wherever you find them on all the podcast platforms, including, as I said a moment ago, posting the show each and every day on the world-famous DogNation.com. By the way, it's always great to visit the show post at DogNation.com. If you want to drop some comments in there to be a part of our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down that happens at the end of every show. On video, we take those comments on Facebook and YouTube. 
But on the podcast, we take those comments after the fact from those who listen to it and then go to dognation.com or hit me up on Twitter at dognationdaily. Just a fun thing to be able to do at the end of each and every show. And of course, today's show would not be possible, as I said before, without our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia. They can help equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. That's a good thing this time of year. It's hot outside. You want to keep that where it's supposed to be. And you want it cool on the inside. And once again, you don't want that energy, that cool air escaping out. And that's what better windows and doors can do. They can also improve the curb appeal of your home. I know so many of you are thinking about you know, real estate right now, obviously home value skyrocketing. You can, in many cases, improve your own home value by better curb appeal. That's what better windows and doors can uh, do for you, like the ones you get from Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Also great savings right now as well. You can currently get 10% off your entire project or 0% APR for 24 months. Uh, it's an easy you know, conversation, that, that initial consultation. That they'll talk you through all your installation options and you know, just the ways in which you can kind of get this done. It's just a really, really no-pressured situation. Just a great chance for you to be educated on everything that Pella Window and Door of Georgia can do for you. So a couple of different ways to get in touch. 678-638-1496. That's the phone number. Once again, 678-638-1496. Or give them a call. Pella of, or I should say website, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. All right, we're going to get John Sinchcomb here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse. Assisted today by our friends at AAA. And I want to talk about, you know, kind of the perspective as a fan that I have on one of the games upcoming for Georgia here this year. And listen, I think because I am a fan, I sort of understand the mindset the fans sort of bring to the table. And sometimes that we as fans have a tendency to get just a little bit greedy. And this is an example, I think, probably of that for me this year. I'm looking at a game against Auburn for Georgia, road trip to Jordan-Hare Stadium. And I sort of find myself thinking, man, it'd be kind of nice. I don't want, I don't, I don't just want Georgia to win this game. I want Georgia to win this game going away. I want this to be more than just a nice, comfortable, easy win. I kind of want to see Georgia kind of smack Auburn around a little bit. Now, most of you don't really need a reason to want to do that. Most of you don't really like Auburn. In fact, one of the things that I always get a little bit of pushback on when I kind of tout Georgia's biggest rival as being Florida, and we do believe that around here, we believe that a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. Many of you respond back to that with BA, I get where you're coming from, but man, I really hate Auburn. And I totally understand that Auburn's a fairly easy team to hate in most years. However, my reason for wanting to see Georgia slap Auburn around this upcoming season goes beyond just the fact that Auburn is a rival that most of you enjoy seeing Georgia slap around. There's actually a practical value in all of this. And I'll tell you what made me think about this. This morning, I was listening to the radio station WJOX. It's out of Birmingham, Alabama. And every Monday, Paul Feinbaum makes an appearance on their morning show. Feinbaum, his full show airs there on WJOX. So he does a little morning show hit on uh, Monday mornings. And the hosts of the program asked Feinbaum about Auburn for this upcoming year. And in talking about Auburn for the upcoming year, Feinbaum made a reference to Georgia. And in listening to Paul talk about Georgia and Auburn here, it became very easy for me to see what Auburn is going to try to rally around this year, what their, what their talking point is going to kind of be. And so I, I think as a Georgia fan – you kind of hope that Georgia can anticipate this coming, sort of head it off at the bend and quiet it before it even has a chance to get going. Let me let you listen to Feinbaum talking about Auburn and see if you notice what I noticed. This is Feinbaum from this morning, WJOX in Birmingham. I don't think the win total right now is, is the most critical thing for Parson. I, I think it's for him to be able to show 
that he can compete with Kirby Smart and, and Nick Saban in recruiting. And I'm not saying, you know, beating them. Those are the two best recruiters in the SEC and arguably in the country. He just has to show that outside of that stray five-star who decides to go to Auburn for for family reasons or, or, or other reasons, that he can legitimately be a, a powerhouse because you have to at Auburn. You, you're, you know, I mean, I think he says that he's saying all the right things. You've heard me talk in, in the past about you know my admiration for him, but that's what it's going to be about. Can he recruit uh, with the big dogs? So you listen to Feinbaum there, and I'm not saying Feinbaum's taking a pro-Auburn slant on this. I'm just saying that in listening to him talk about this becomes very easy to imagine where all this is going for Auburn. It would be unlikely that Auburn beats either Alabama or Georgia for a moment, but let's focus on the Georgia-Auburn game here. Early October-ish type date for this game, Auburn can't beat Georgia, but what if they play him close? All of a sudden now, the Auburn fans can kind of talk themselves into Brian Harson, their first-year coach, and say, man, give Brian Harson a couple of years to get some players in here and imagine how good this team's going to be. We played Georgia relatively close this year. Auburn's never been afraid to kind of claim a moral victory when they thought they had a chance to do that. You sort of get the idea that there's the, the winds kind of starting to blow for the idea of Auburn claiming some moral victories here this year. So if you're a Georgia fan and you don't even want that stuff to get off the ground, you don't even want the Brian Harson era to, to kind of get a step forward going here, you want to stop that before it starts. So before any Auburn fan has any chance to say we may have lost this game by 10 points or 17 points or whatever it is but man Brian Harson's a coach he's closing the gap imagine how good this team's going to be in a couple of years you kind of you kind of get where I'm going on all of that you sort of get the sense that's what Auburn may try to sell against Georgia or their other big rival Alabama or anything else so for me personally on the basis of what Paul Feinbaum says there on WJOX this morning sort of hoping that doesn't happen. I'm sort of hoping that Georgia can kind of smack Auburn around a little bit to kind of keep any of that talk from uh, getting started because you sort of get the impression that's what Auburn's going to try to do. It is around the doghouse. It is assisted today by our friends at AAA and something else you can kind of anticipate here. My friends at AAA are going to take good care of. You already know that when it comes to legendary roadside assistance. And as you're starting to travel around this summer, you're thinking a lot about that, of course. But let me get you thinking about some other things when it comes to AAA. How about auto insurance? Did you know that when you switch and save with AAA, you can save on average $529? That's a big, big deal. That's a lot of extra money in your pocket at a time in which extra money really matters. So keep this website in mind and check it out and find out just how true this really is. It's AAA.com. That's A-A-A. AAA.com slash auto insurance. Switch and save with AAA today. And I, I truly believe that you'll be glad that you did. All right, it's great to have you with us here today. Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Before we're done, we'll give some shout-outs to some other UGA Athletics teams who have some big stuff going on here this spring. We're trying to keep up with all the spring stuff that is uh, going on over the next few days. I'm looking forward to that. We'll do a shout-out on that before we're done. Oh, there's also some very interesting transfer news. What else is new out of the SEC? We will touch on that before we're done on today's program there as well. But for now on everything happening around the uh, UGA program. Great voice to start a Monday with. How about our buddy John Stinchcomb, the former UGA All-American, here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. 
Always great to have John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. A lot to do with him as we kind of look at everything that's been going on around UGA. But, John, let me bring you in on where I just was. Kind of interesting, and when you look at the Georgia schedule this upcoming year, you do see Brian Harson, first-year coach at Auburn, but you also see Shane Beamer, first-year coach at South Carolina, and Josh Heupel, first-year coach at Tennessee. I'll count Clark Lee in this Vanderbilt, although I don't know that too many people think one thing about him you know, much one way or the other. But a lot of these first-year coaches are going to be trying to do something to distinguish themselves and set them apart from the other first-year guys or the kind of huge crop of second-year coaches that we also have in the SEC there as well. And you know, on the one hand, I think a lot of these teams would love to play Georgia close as a way of kind of getting a moral victory here. But on the other hand, for a Georgia team that's so hungry for a national championship and you know so desperate to be a part of the playoff picture, once you get past Clemson in week one, another example of this being a pretty manageable schedule for Georgia is that large number of first-year coaches that Georgia's set to play after that. Wouldn't you agree? I wonder if this is how other teams that play in weaker conferences feel. Yeah. Because when you start the year and you look at the calendar and you go, man, this is, it's setting up for a lot of success. I mean, obviously that Clemson game looms large out of week one, but uh, you look at the season and how it plays out and, and the opportunities that are presenting themselves, and you have to be excited as a Georgia fan. I mean, that. There's a number of programs that usually you can count on to uh, give you a, a really strong contest, and I, I'm sure there's some programs that will surprise you as the season plays out. But on paper, this time of year, um, <laughs> the old adage from every Georgia fan of this is our year, uh, there's a lot of reasons for folks to get excited about what this 2021 season could hold for our dogs yeah completely agree with that and listen you know it is as you might mention a moment ago it is highly possible that one of the other 11 games in the georgia schedule obviously not counting the clemson game because i think we know how tough that is it is highly possible that one of those teams ends up being way better than we kind of anticipate on paper we all understand that and at least one of those teams will probably be somewhat better than we kind of think they are right now that's just kind of the nature of football there's always some room for surprises when it comes to a lot of this kind of stuff. But, John, you and I both have probably, whether it's sitting here having this conversation or just separately looking at you know, other Georgia schedules in previous years, there are a lot of schedules that on paper have looked much more daunting than what Georgia – is slated to play right now over the over the years that there have been ways you know you know very many years in which the schedule on paper seemed way tougher than the one that's going to seem for this upcoming year and and at the end of the year that mattered i mean you've we some of the best georgia teams their record probably didn't reflect that as well just because of the amount of competition they saw and uh you know you look at the end of the year record and that's how a, a team is judged as to their quality, but uh, I can think back and at least over this past decade where some of our best teams probably didn't, uh, it wasn't as reflective as, as their talent probably possessed. And when you look at their record, just because of the amount of competition and the quality contest that they found them, themselves in week in and week out. And uh, this season, like you say, there's going to be surprises. There always is. There's going to be a team that's unexpected that, you know, they're performing better and they're motivated and um, there's some synergy that they've created and it's going to be a, a battle that Georgia finds themselves in that was probably unexpected, certainly this time of year when you're just looking at 
what it could be, but what a great opportunity. I mean, I think that's why there's so much optimism for these, uh, for Georgia and this team is because one, the amount of talent we have in house, but the, the way the schedule is set up and, uh, um, the lack of established, um, one rosters, but two programs. I mean, the number of first and second year coaches, the amount of turnover, uh, the quality players that teams have lost. There's just an ample amount of opportunity that presents itself uh, for a Georgia team that's bringing back a lot of, uh, of their key pieces that are arrow up players, and it's obviously an arrow up program from a very hard high starting point. I played a little bit of audio before you joined us from uh, former Georgia quarterback DJ Shockley on WSB TV talking about the value of off-season workouts and what's happening during the summer and and John as you well know being a former player yourself this is the time of year in which we kind of seem like we're far removed from the previous season and you know still a ways away from the upcoming season in some cases whether it's you know watching Phil this weekend or watching Braves or watching Hawks it sort of seems like there's you know probably less top of mind college football awareness for the mainstream kind of average sports fan right now but it's that quiet work that's done away from the watchful eye that may go towards winning a national championship as much as anything that can be done. So give us a little insight, if you don't mind, about you know what does happen this summer, whether it's your position offensive lineman and I would assume the physical strengthening that's looking to go on or the maybe the skill position guys who are looking to sharpen those skills or something in between on all of that. What's it like this time of year for a college football player? Well, that's a great question. I think DJ is a great source because he's a guy that looks at the game uh, at the collegiate level and the NFL level, uh, as much reporting as he does on the Falcons, as much as he does the Bulldogs. Um, and, and what we're seeing in the NFL is a transition from these mandated off-season programs, um, and, and they're, they're peeling it back. And where I think it hurts is the development of players. When you have spring games and you have – um, those practices in the off season, and then a period of time, usually two plus months, it gives guys that are still developing a chance to move the needle. I mean, you you just come out of practicing, you know what you need to work on. Obviously, strength conditioning is going to be a piece of every player's development and, and program as they get ready for training camp, but. There's also opportunities in this, uh, you know, call it 10-week period that allows you to say, Kylie, what am I going to need to accomplish? What do I need to work on so that I'm prepared for this tough slate of games playing in the SEC if you're a Georgia Bulldog? So, um, obviously, it's something that I think it's vital for developmental players to, to recognize this is an opportunity, and, and some of the best programs are able to do it. I also think it's an opportunity for uh, position groups to start working together and uh, getting that chemistry because relationships are always huge and vital. And um, when you're when you have uh, at high school, they do those seven on seven camps, and uh, it's it's really no different. You get the timing down. You understand a, a guy's. Um, approach and you start to see the little idiosyncrasies and details of a person's work and it allows you to work better with one another 
You know, I was one of the things that we talked about a lot last week was CBS Sports comes out every year with its ranking of the top coaches in college football. They do the Power Five coaches, and Kirby Smart's seventh on that list. I think he was sixth maybe last year. I think he maybe maybe drops a spot here this year. On, on the one hand, you know, being seventh out of a list of, you know, however many you know Power Five coaches is certainly nothing to be ashamed of if you're Kirby Smart. And yet, when you look at that list, you know, John, one of the things that kind of comes up there is is – in my mind, I think there's an argument to make, to make Smart even higher on the list because, you know, Dan Mullen's a top 10 list, a uh, top 10 coach according to CBS. Kirby Smart's beat him in 17, 18, and 19, beat him three times as a head coach. Kirby Smart has beaten Lincoln Riley in the 2017 Rose Bowl. That's a guy who's ranked ahead of him. You know, he's beaten Brian Kelly twice. That's a guy that's also ranked ahead of him there as well. He's got a winning record against top 10 coaches. The only blemish are the, you know, the, the losses that he's had to Nick Saban, Alabama, which makes Smart in many ways very, you know, no different than much of the rest of, of college football. I guess my point here, John, is, is that I think it's completely fair to say, okay, now it's time for Smart to take a big step forward. Now it's time for Smart to kind of take – you know, either return Georgia College Football Playoff or get over the hump and win the national championship. We would all agree that that's true. That's just the next thing for UGA. But I think it's also important to properly characterize what has happened for Smart over the course of his, you know, last five years on this job, which includes a lot of big wins against guys that outlets like CBS seem to have a lot of respect for. In other words, I think it's it's important to say what Smart has done while we're also talking about what Smart still needs to do. Would you agree with that? I would. I think uh, if I'm trying to take a, a unbiased approach and look at this list, I mean, there's an obvious tier one in uh, Coach Sweeney and uh, Coach Saban. There's your ones and twos right there, and, and you could easily justify their placement. It's hard to argue there. But you look at this next crop of, of five coaches, I think uh, from the 2020 year to 2021, it was Jimbo Fisher that jumps really trade spots with Kirby um, on this list. Now, yeah. while we discuss it, I think it's uh, we can all agree that not one single coach cares where right. they land sure. on this list, sure. right? Sure. Uh, but it's, it's, it's fun fodder for us to discuss and the whys behind it because, you know, you, you look at uh, Coach Day, Coach Kelly, uh, Coach Riley, Coach Fisher – Coach Smart, that, that's the next crop. That's that you know, tier two, if you will. And you can make a case for each guy of what, how they've moved the needle on their program, uh, what they inherited and what they've done with it. And, um, I, you know, is, is it – there's always more excitement for the new guy, the new thing. The same thing happens in recruiting, right? We always care about who's that next five-star that we're going to sign, and you kind of lose track of – the fact that we signed a five-star two years ago and he's on the roster now, but everybody's excited about, ooh, can this guy that is just now leaving high school, can he help us in the fall? Well, same thing when we're looking at these uh, rankings for coaches. Uh, Coach Smart in this little tier, he's probably more established than, you know, he's had more time on campus and, and quite honestly has accomplished more than most of the other coaches that are in the discussion for these next slots, you know, three through seven, if you will. So there's always that shiny new toy that everybody gets excited about, and you move them up a little bit. Um, I, I'm not sure that well, this might be the only time that uh, Coach Fisher is considered <laughs> as shiny and new as much experience <laughs> as he's had in, in college football. But 
you understand where we're going with this. Uh, I think all the the other coaches are uh, very respectable in what they've done with their programs and how they've moved the needle for them. But at the end of the day, um, I think Coach Smart's got one of the best opportunities to to really make a, a significant jump in uh, in this ranking, if you will, and he's going to care less about that and more of the why I think the jump can occur, and it's because you're – uh, to get to that next level, to be identified in that top three, it's going to be championships, right? And and the consistency in which they come. So uh, I think Georgia is in a, as good a situation as anybody to make a push, not only in 21, but um, as a program to, to really – maintain that high high level of status well i'll tell you why this matters to me and it goes back to something you said at the very beginning of our conversation today that when you look at georgia's schedule kind of after clemson this year it kind of reminds you of what some other teams around the country seem to play on a yearly basis and i do think that matters and what's frustrating is you know there is this perception of brian kelly or you mentioned you know ryan day at ohio state and you know i'm straining to even think what you know day's even really done as a head coach it just sort of seems like that there are certain coaches certain programs that seem to benefit from a lack of proximity to a place like alabama (laughs) where you know when you're not forced to measure yourself against an alabama or like in 2019 an lsu team that was good enough to topple alabama when you're forced, you know, when you're not forced to kind of measure yourself against that, it's really easy to look like you're a great coach, you got a great program, everything else, based on who it is that you're kind of kicking around in each and every week. And listen, I know this kind of comes across as self-serving, or you know, maybe trying to make excuses for why Georgia hasn't gotten over the hump yet. But when you are that team trying to do this in the SEC, I just believe objectively it's true that it is more difficult to do that in this league than it is as Notre Dame, that's mostly been an independent, uh, Ohio State a lot of the Big Ten not recruiting at the same level they're able to recruit. They have a lot of easy Saturdays. I just believe that's objectively true, John. Oh, well, I, don't, I would certainly not argue with you. I mean, <laughs> you look at uh, the slate of games that uh, Ohio State played this last season, and yes, they played for a national championship, but in a very abbreviated season. And uh, we saw how that final game ended up, and um, same case that you could make for Notre Dame, not near the level of competition on a consistent basis than what you'd see if you're uh, if you're Georgia on an annual basis. So, yes, I, I totally agree. And you know, if you're talking about Coach Day, the the program that he inherited uh, from Coach Meyer was certainly not dilapidated, and um, I think a number of coaches would love to walk into that kind of situation where you have national relevance, um, a pretty well-stocked roster, and then opportunity to continue to uh, build on momentum that, that pre-exists you taking over at the wheel. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly understand those arguments. I think if I'm playing devil's advocate here, it's when you see um, – yeah, I sent an article this week of, of the number of players and recruiting classes, and I think Georgia was the number one, has the number one overall average recruiting class over the last, what, 20 years. So um, the argument for these other places is Georgia has, nobody has done less with more than Georgia has. Yeah. And, and that's a painful um realization for any dog fan but the only way to silence that kind of critique and criticism is to to win the big one and 
you know, I think that's the desire of every bulldog's heart. So well, hopefully let me f- this is the year for us. Let me finish on that kind of point, John, because, you know, we, we talked on the show a lot about taking what is clearly a talented roster filled with obviously good players and taking a few more of those players and kind of move them into that great category. And another example of that last week was, you know, Athlon Sports. That's an organization I kind of like. I love reading the preseason magazines, kind of always have. They've got their preseason All-SEC list out. This is just one of many preseason All-SEC lists that are going to come out, but this one is as good as any of them, I guess. 15 Georgia guys on there. Only a couple of those are like, first team type guys and what we've said is hey you know you got to take some of those like you know theoretically third and fourth team level sec players you got to turn more of those into kind of the first team all sec type dominator if you want georgia to be as good as what you know the bamas the lsu's have been in recent seasons would you join me in saying that's kind of you know maybe the underlying fundamental that's going to determine you know kind of how georgia is viewed at the end of the season and whether or not they truly are in the playoff and a legitimate national championship contender Yes, and, and I think it's a great place to start for Georgia. Uh, one, you're tied for the most players with Alabama uh, on this first, second, and third string SEC teams uh, list that put together before a single snap has been taken. So the amount of respect that's uh, shown to the roster, I think, is, is where it needs to be. I, I agree with the placement of the guys. I mean, I, I went... Once uh, I was aware that this might be a a subject we're discussing, I look at this list and go, I think this is fair. I think there's opportunities, and let's see where these guys end up at the end of the season. You know, can N'Kobe Dean and Lewis Seen and uh, Jermaine Burton, Darnell Washington, they're all second, third team guys um, on this list. So they're on the radar, but... Uh, it would be hard to justify moving any one of them up higher on this on this list based on past performance. I think what's going to matter most is uh, the oper- you know how do they maximize on the opportunities that they get this season. I think that's what we've seen um, as to why they're rated and ranked where they are is because of the potential they possess and the little flashes that we've seen. But what's most important is at the end of the year, where's that first, second, and third team uh, SEC stack up? How how have these guys performed? I think right now it's just we're recognizing these are all players that are have a very high ceiling and can, at the end of the year, be real factors. So uh, moving that needle, progressing up on the charts, I think is, is, is a very realistic potential uh, for the second and third team guys to join Jordan Davis and Jamari Salyer as our uh, first team representatives, and Jake Camarda. Um, and the reason why they're first team is because not only they have great potential, but they've also put together a track record that justifies them being on that first team SEC. And, and for the rest of that list of Georgia players, and they're not alone for the other guys in the SEC. It's more about the potential that they possess and what they could do in 2021. So, um, you know, it, it's about what they do and, and how they'll end the year as to what matters most. But I like the fact that Georgia starts with 15 guys on a, on a three-deep uh, all-SEC 
team um, and and have the potential to move those guys and, and possibly add some different names because I think there's some other guys that might surprise you. John, I tell you what, it's great to have the conversation with you. Can't wait to see all this happening on the field later on this fall. Hope you continue to enjoy what is, I'm hoping, a, a great summer for you and your family, and we will look forward to the chance to chat again very soon there as well. Always enjoy it, B.A. Go dogs. Me too. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. By the way, speaking of great summers, they do continue here. And if you're in the Atlanta area where I am, many of you would have liked to have been with us this past Friday for our Dog Nation Days of Summer event with the Atlanta Braves. You missed out on that, but there is still plenty of time to take advantage of a great summer coming up here with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, school's getting out. Of course, the month of June is going to be huge. A lot of that starts actually Monday prior to June, the big Memorial Day uh, event there. Great Military Appreciation Day, the Washington Nationals in town. And then you've got big, big series throughout the month of June there at Truist Park with the Atlanta Braves, who are suddenly playing a much better, uh, better brand of baseball, at least coming off the weekend there. you got the uh, Boston Red Sox coming into town early June, uh, 4th through the 6th. You've got the uh, L.A. Dodgers kind of rolling through town there as well. Don't forget the St. Louis Cardinals coming in there as well. They always kind of bring a big crowd with them. Of course, it's Friday night fireworks every Friday. That's another great way to kind of celebrate that summer. Uh, Saturdays, the gates actually open early for batting practice. That's always a fun thing to be able to see there as well. Sundays are giveaway days, so big weekends, big teams coming in, Dodgers, Red Sox, Cardinals, and big fun. Boy, Austin Riley swinging the bat great. Obviously, Ronald Acuna continuing to do big things there as well. Braves a fun team to watch. June going to be a great time to watch it there at Truist Park. So please go to Braves.com slash tickets for more on that. That's Braves.com slash tickets. All right, a lot to get to around the rest of the SEC here, and a lot of it is transfer-related. So today is the day, and what is it? It's a, just before 11 o'clock right now Eastern time. I guess about an hour from right now. Former LSU quarterback T.J. Finley is slated to make his transfer announcement. He retweeted the other day uh, a reporter saying some schools to keep an eye on in the recruitment of Finley. He mentions Alabama, Auburn, Penn State, and Texas. We have talked about Alabama being more of a factor here than I would have ever uh, assumed. There was some reporting from the Alabama side at 24-7. They'd been involved in Finley. All along, I've sort of assumed that Finley was probably going to Auburn, and I guess that's kind of what I'm assuming right now. Honestly, I'm not that close to it. I haven't really you know, read all that much about this. I do think it's somewhat interesting because Finley started five games for LSU a year ago. So if Auburn were to get him, I mean, just given the uncertainty around you know, Bo Nix right now, and I realize he's a legacy name, so it's kind of hard to move away from him if you are Auburn. But a first-year coach, it's a little easier for him to do that because he didn't recruit Nix into the program. But, you know, Auburn's a, a program that doesn't have much depth beyond, fin, uh, I should say, beyond Nick's, the quarterback spot. They could use that. Maybe the reason why Alabama's involved is because they're also not quite sure what they have from a backup quarterback situation. Maybe, obviously, Bryce Young is the anticipated starter for Alabama. But one way or another, a couple of SEC schools in the mix, Finley slated to announce, and we'll talk tomorrow on the show about whatever it is that he ends up doing. But by the time many of you hear this, he will have already made his announcement. This is, I would say, fairly substantial news around the SEC here today, especially if he chooses Alabama or Auburn. So it looks like Ole Miss has landed on a new offensive line coach. Looks like they're going to hire Jake Thornton, who's most recently at Gardner-Webb, former graduate assistant at Alabama with Nick Saban, if you care about that. This is another example of something I talk about a lot. I'm just not nearly as high on Lane Kiffin as a lot of you are. Certainly the media seems to love him. I think the the steak never quite matches the sizzle with Kiffin. His ability to create headlines on the field 
nowhere near what his ability to create headlines off the field is. And, you know, this to me is kind of like the lack of stability that you don't see from the truly great coach. This feels a little bit like, you know, Jeremy Pruitt running off his defensive line coach in the middle of the season last year. You know, no one really knows why Clements is gone from from Ole Miss other than we know that Lane Kiffin asked him to leave the program and it was has been reported in Oxford not because of any kind of off-field behavior nor is it because of any kind of like NCAA related thing at least that's the belief right now this seems to be the best that I can tell just some sort of like conflict in personalities there so here we are you know during the offseason an, an upcoming season that's supposed to be a big deal for Ole Miss and you're kind of running off your offensive line coach Clements was respected by a lot of folks there in Oxford. Who knows? Maybe this Jake Thornton guy is the next great thing. But, you know, the idea that you're reaching to Gardner-Webb to grab an offensive line coach because you ran off the guy you had, this just seems like an unnecessary distraction for Ole Miss and one of the reasons why I am very skeptical of Lane Lane Kiffin's long-term viability, his likelihood of success in the SEC. This, to me, just seems like an unforced error. But nonetheless, Jake Thornton on his way to being hired there at Ole Miss, according to some reports. I told you last week that when you start looking at upcoming schedules, we did this related to the point spread for the Arkansas-Texas game. I think that's a very interesting upset opportunity for an SEC team. Arkansas gets a chance to host Texas. The Hogs hate Texas. This goes back to the old Southwest Conference days. It's going to be a big deal there in Fayetteville. And I did see where Tom Fornelli, CBS Sports, CBS had this list of all their riders weighing in on the big upset they could see happen. And I saw where Tom Fornelli kind of joins me in saying that, yes, Sam Pittman, a year two coach, battling against Steve Sarkeesian, a first-year coach there at Texas. Sarkeesian's been, of course, a head coach before, but this is his first year at Austin that uh, this might be one of those games in which the favored Longhorns could be ripe for the picking. By the way, more on Texas coming up in a moment. A very strange story there. But nice to see Tom Fornelli from CBS joining me and saying that Arkansas, indeed, a very good chance to pull that upset against Texas. Now, also, we'll have to say here, that once too many people start calling for the same thing to happen, just by the unwritten rules of sports, it is now doomed not to happen. So maybe we've reached that ter- territory with Arkansas, Texas. Too many people picking the hogs there. But listen, I was on Arkansas pretty heavy last year. All right, let's do some transfer stuff here. Uh, Jadarius Perkins. We talked about Perkins, you may remember, because Georgia offered uh, Jadarius Perkins. He actually was a junior college defensive back. I think he was like the number two junior college DP right below Nugget Warren, who Georgia was obviously in the mix for there for a while. Perkins goes to Missouri. He actually goes through spring practice there and was kind of working as a potential starter at cornerback for Missouri, but then decided he wanted to leave the program. At one point in time, we wondered, because as I said before, Perkins had put it on there on Twitter that Georgia had offered him that maybe UGA might be in the mix, but obviously Georgia ends up taking uh, the defensive back out of Alabama. So all of a sudden, maybe you know Perkins was left to kind of go somewhere else. Well, Perkins has now made his pledge University of Florida, sharing that on social media, himself there in the orange and blue uniform. So, so Jadarius Perkins, one time Missouri defensive back, now going to Florida. So that's actually a pretty big pickup for a Florida team that always seems to use that transfer market. I, I think that Perkins going there is actually probably a pretty significant move because this is a guy who's a little older, who's been through some SEC practices, was there at Missouri this spring. I'm not going to downplay this too much. I'm not telling you it changes anything for Florida in the SECs, but it is probably a pretty good ad for that program. This is a little old now. But we just haven't mentioned it yet. Another defensive back, formerly at Auburn, Kamal Haddon, has landed at Tennessee. Tennessee's got room for any transfer it wants to take. They can just keep taking them all summer long. And so another guy with at least some SEC experience, Kamal Haddon, 
on his way to Tennessee, leaving Auburn. All of these intra-conference transfers, including the one I just mentioned, Brandon Turnage, to Georgia a moment ago, would seem to lead you to believe that the SEC schools themselves do not believe the, the league's prohibition on immediate eligibility for intra-conference transfers is going to stand. The SEC hasn't officially changed that rule yet, but most of the SEC seems to be operating on the assumption that that rule is on its way out the door there. And then finally, there's this. And boy, you just talking about rolling your eyes. So Jaden Blue is a very good running back, four-star running back, one of the top you know players in the country for the class of 2022. Uh, he's like a top 100 overall recruit type guy here. But he is not going to play his senior years. Four-star running back out of Houston, Texas. He is not going to uh, play his senior year. He says, uh, it's been a very difficult decision for my family and I. Uh, football is a brutal sport. The wear and tear associated with the running back position is undeniable. Uh, I plan on taking this time to focus on my academics while enhancing my off-the-field rehab and reg. And he says, this is a strategic and conscious effort to ensure that I am prepared to perform at an elite level to collegiate rankings through the 2022 season. This is an incremental step in hopes of one day fulfilling my NFL dreams. So he's a Texas commit, but he's not going to play high school football in the state of Texas for his senior year because he wants to avoid the rigor of football while he prepares for his future there. I don't mind having to tell you, I just think this is just the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. You are not going to get better at football by not playing it. And, yeah, I know football is a tough sport, whatever else. But this idea that um, somehow this is going to be, you know, like the missing piece that, you know, gives him a leg up when he goes into college or whatever else, I, I just don't think that's true whatsoever. And listen, I got respect for injuries and I got respect for, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I understand that players want to do everything they can to avoid that. But this isn't Jamar Chase sitting out his final year at college after he won the Bolitnikoff Award the year before that for a national championship game against LSU. This is a young man who's only finished his junior year of, of, of high school. And frankly, I think that Steve Sarkeesian's got an obligation here as his future college coach. I think if you're Sarkeesian, you've got an obligation to step in and convince him not to do this. First of all, if I'm a, um, if, if I'm a Texas high school coach, I am absolutely watching Sarkeesian on this to see how he handles this. The idea that all of a sudden now college programs might start trying to park you know, high-level high school talent and kind of keep them safe and protected and wrap them in bubble wrap. They don't play their high school season. No, I've got no interest in that whatsoever. This uh, certainly a very strange story, but uh, it's out there. Uh, four-star running back not looking to play a senior year of high school, at least for right now. We'll see if cooler heads prevail. We'll make that your SEC through. And really quickly, I'm also give a shout-out to a couple of UGA teams here. Georgia did get one win against Ole Miss over the weekend, setting itself up for an SEC tournament, which is really kind of a do-or-die situation. They need at least one win in the SEC tournament. They may need two to increase their uh, chances of of making the NCAA tournament as a, uh, as a regional team after that. So let's show you this on the screen here. Georgia getting ready to take on – that's actually – uh, the softball team, the the, uh, be the baseball team getting ready to take on LSU in the SEC tournament. That is upcoming. Yeah, so they'll do that Tuesday on the SEC network, needing that win against LSU to be able to get that done. And then maybe at least one more after that, although maybe just the win against LSU might be enough. 
And, of course, the softball team, uh, they do get going this weekend. Super regional action after advancing out of their regional. And how big is this going to be against number four, Florida? That's a daunting task, of course. But around here, uh, we love watching Georgia teams beat up on those lousy, stinging Gators. So you better believe we're going to be rooting for the Georgia softball team to be able to do that this weekend. Super regional action in Gainesville against the Florida Gators. That's going to be a fun thing to be able to see. And, of course, speaking of the Florida Gators, uh, let's get ready to uh, wrap up today with our Gator Hater Roll Call the way that we do. We love awarding a golden shoe winner for those that show off their Gator hating credentials. And, obviously, we'd love to award one of these to the softball team here later on this weekend as they knock around Florida, hopefully in softball. But for today, let's award today's uh, winner here. A a very funny look at this from uh, DogNation17 on Twitter who kind of gives you a spelling bee meme here. It says your word is circus, and the speller spells it G-A-T-O-R-S. Yeah, Florida, a, a little bit of a circus from time to time. That seems to be the case, and unfortunately, it's the kind of circus where many of us are not very entertained. But very funny, uh, nonetheless, and very golden shoe worthy today, Dog Nation 17 congratulations on that. How about Gator Hater Countdown for the football team 159 days from now? Getting some revenge against those lousy, stinking Gators and Jacks. Well, can't wait for that. We'll see you tomorrow at Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast to cool down. We're not going to go real long today, I will tell you that. We've got a lot of stuff going on around here today. They're going to make me run out and do. So i got to say goodbye to y'all after a little bit. I've got a, a couple of really good comments I want to read, though. Forestry Dog, who has some really good stuff photoshop-wise, and he always puts them in our comment section at dognation.com. You know, we do our golden shoe at the end of the show each and every day. <laughs> Forestry Dog has got Florida building a brand new golden shoe statue. I love how he's got, like, foliage coming out of the shoe. <laughs> All of this is very funny and very well done. He says it's in honor of Marco Wilson in the shoe. He uh, threw 20 yards down the field during the LSU game with the Swamp in 2020. Uh <laughs> <laughs> LSU 37, Florida 34. Really very funny stuff from Forrester Dog here. I'm going to have to do that for our golden shoe during the video thing tomorrow. Our video audience will love getting a chance to see that. So for those of you who are listening, obviously you can't see this. But if you go to dognation.com, you just see his comment at the bottom of the the most recent podcast post before today's show, the one from Friday. This is a really funny stuff from Forrester Dog. Really well, really well done on all of that. Also, if you're on... Uh, twitter for a moment i have to um i have to respond back to something here so daniel jones reaches out and said that uh me made him look bad on behalf of the rest of dog nation he says i had a friend who's a clemson fan with me and i was talking y'all up saying hey you gotta check out dog nation they do a good job daniel says we turned on cover four and uh from two days ago this is from last thursday and he says y'all started talking about aliens he said it made me look bad in front of a clemson fan which i think is really funny and certainly i would never want to make any georgia fan look bad in front of a clemson fan but for those of you who are not quite aware of this so like the other day the very end of the show i i brought up the fact that 60 minutes had done this thing on the aliens and i was fascinated by this right i mean i shouldn't say that it's not necessarily aliens it's ufos right that's what it really is but there's been all this talk lately about UFOs and, you know, kind of sightings. And there was even this thing on Twitter this weekend about this, about all these people that supposedly saw the same thing in, like, different parts of the country. And I think there may end up being an explanation for that. I guess maybe there's eventually an explanation for 
most, if not all, this stuff. But it's still kind of fascinating just how much chatter is out there about that right now. And so we did bring that up. Uh, Jeff Sintel, shockingly, I think he was the the shocking headline winner of the day. I think he came out and said he thought there was life on other planets, which I was like completely blown away by. Uh, I did not expect that necessarily. But there's, have you, did y'all see this in 60 Minutes? There's been all kinds of chatter about that as of late. So Daniel had talked to us up to one of his friends and said, hey, you got to hear these guys talk football. And they turned on there. We were talking, he says, UFOs. But it was only at the end of the show. and It was only just for a brief little bit. So well, there wasn't too much of that all the way around. Uh, also got a lot of great tweets coming in about uh, Dog Nation Days of Summer on Friday. And I just really appreciate everybody who was there and all the folks who made that fun. It was just really, really good to be back together again. Of course, there's a lot of chatter about what we might be doing next. I can tell you that's on the way. You know, we're going to have you know, big events this fall, obviously the Georgia Clemson game, you know, the, the thought is out there of, you know, something big for that. I can't really say yet what that is, but it's on the way. So it's going to be a really good thing and it's going to be on the way very soon. So I can't wait to tell you about that. Hope your summer's getting off to a great start around our house. We're kind of getting into that summer mode a little bit. Um, just, just ready for it, ready, you know, ready to be out by pools again, ready to be, you know, it's going to be very hot. So trying to, you know, soak up some of the sunshine without getting too, you know, too hot while doing so. So hopefully you got big summer plans. And of course, we certainly appreciate you continuing to make us part of those plans as you roll along here. Thanks for being here on our RS Andrews Cooldown today. Dog Nation Daily presented by Palo Endo and Door of Georgia. Y'all have a great day. We'll try to do some longer comments tomorrow. I've just got to get off the air for today. But we'll try to do more of that then. Thanks for being with us. Dog Nation Daily presented by Palo Endo and Door of Georgia. We'll see you then, everybody.